1: Everybody and welcome to episode 255 of the Talking Chop podcast. I am your host, Brad Roland. It is Wednesday evening. In fact, I'm going to tell you the truth right now. Scott Coleman is here with me. We are recording before the game is over. It is currently the eighth inning. The Braves are losing at last check, 15-1. to one. Things did not go well this evening. And, uh, of course, Scott draws the short straw versus Eric and has to do, has to do this game. So uh, my apologies, Scott, but thank you for joining me.
2: Of course. No, I mean, look tonight's game sucked. Well, we're going to say that about 25 times in the next, however long we go, but tonight's game was miserable, but I think it's always with all things this time of year needs to be in perspective. If you would have said 72 hours ago that the Braves would be up two to one in the series, I think everybody would have been thrilled. If you would have told us three weeks ago that tonight, October 14th was the first time the Braves are going to lose a game in the playoffs. You would have been even more thrilled and frankly, probably wouldn't have believed us. So, um, tonight's game sucked and we'll dig into it but um at the end of the day it's it's one game they're still up 2 to 1 and now they have to bounce back
1: yeah i think uh, i can't remember who said it so my apologies uh, but a similar sentiment to what you said just now uh, just broader, broader speaking like go back 3 months go back 7 months go back 11 months and tell yep. anyone that the Braves are in the NLCS up 2-1 on the Dodgers and that's a tremendous outcome so yep. uh we're not known for our positivity on this podcast, but I'm not going to like rant and rave, and we'll do a little bit of that on this pod, I'm sure, but this is not a situation where I'm uh, going to go into Sky is Falling mode. I saw a lot of that tonight, and I get it to a certain extent because of how bad it was, and it's the Braves, and they've had some, uh, some rough times, but still under our seat in the series all things considered it was a, it was a rough night to be sure and we'll dive into that right now and then we'll spend probably the second half plus of this podcast talking about the the look ahead a little bit what, rather than dwelling on this uh, this mess of a baseball game so coming into the night the Braves were 7 and 0 in the playoffs as we all know they had a team ERA that was 1.09 heading into the ninth inning of game 2 which obviously went awry last night as Eric and I discussed on this very podcast. But uh even after that they had an ERA uh below two. And then uh Kyle Wright was charged with more runs tonight in two thirds of an inning than the Braves allowed in the first sixty four innings of the playoffs as a team. Yeah.
2: yeah. Uh not great. Not
1: great. They also allowed as many uh runs, you know, in two and a third as they did in the first seven games. It's just uh, you know. All kinds of stats that I could throw at you. But it, it was brutal. So we'll go through it real quickly. There were a couple of pivot points in that first inning that were uh, worth discussing. It didn't have to be as bad as it was. Um, there was some bad luck. There was some bad pitching. There was maybe some bad managing. There was all kinds of stuff happening in the first inning. So we'll go blow by blow for this. And I promise we will not go play by play after the first inning <laughs> the rest of the way Because uh, there was a lot yeah. of meaningless baseball on this night. But in the first inning, we have, we have to start at the top. Uh, Mookie Betts swings at the first pitch. Um, Camargo makes a pretty pretty good play on the ball. Throws across the diamond uh, a little bit errantly. Freddie Friedman stretches out has to has, has to cross the first base line to avoid a collision. A heck of a play. We all lauded it when it happened. It was ruled an out. Then they go to the replay and they overturn it. Now Braves fans were not happy at all with the overturn, which I totally understand. I I thought he was safe. I really did. But the the Infinite question of uh, indisputable or not is the question where I came down here, and I'm not telling you that this game is different all the way across if they get that call, but uh, it would have been nice if that guy didn't lead off and was on the base pass there. So, Scott, yeah. what did you think in, in real time and then after the uh, re- replay review actually happened?
2: So, in real time, I, I thought he was safe. It, it was a hell of a play by Camargo. I mean, of course, we yep. talk about... It's his first—I mean, literally the first pitch that he's active for in the game, and it's a <laughs> it's a well-hit ball right down the third base line, and he has to make a ridiculous play even to just field the ball and then throw across his body. So, uh, you know, on review, I never know what angles Major League Baseball has. I know it's supposed to be indisputable. I don't know if there was necessarily indisputable evidence. Who knows what that inning looks like. I sure wish Mookie would have been called out because it— it literally could not have been worse than the other result, but um, unfortunately, it was just kind of the tip of the iceberg. And um, as you said, for a team that's pitched so well, within two pitches tonight—I'm jumping ahead a little here—but within two pitches, they were already down. So it was not—it was not an ideal overturn, to say the least.
1: Yeah, uh, that's where I mean, I was not really upset about this in the moment but I do understand the argument, and if you are a Braves fan, you're not gonna be happy with the fact that it was overturned. I think the Braves have not gotten that call in a similar fashion before, which is also worth mentioning. Um, I thought he was safe, but the indisputable thing is just hard to get over. So, as you referenced, uh, the next pitch, Corey Seager hits a uh, a gapper. Um, Austin Riley, who we'll talk about later on, uh, is sort of a forward-facing thing and is playing left field tonight. He cuts the ball off, but sort of stumbles. Um, Pache was behind him. Might have been able to get a better play on it, but Betts was flying. Betts is very fast. I think, he's, I think he probably scores anyway. And uh, in a hurry, the Braves do not score first for the first time in the playoffs. Um, we'll stop here. I want to ask you, like, did you think that there was any way that, it, for instance, if if Ryan lets the, go, lets the ball go by him and Pache cuts it off and throws it in, do they have a chance mm. to get Betts? Because I, I think no, but I brought it up on Twitter and got some mixed response.
2: Um, I mean, it's it's hard to say for sure, right? Without really looking at it, I would. I guess it's possible, but as you said, Mookie can fly in in that gigantic ballpark. It just takes a while to cover ground, even if you are a, a fast runner like Pache is. So, um, yeah, I, I mean, again, I I don't know how much of a difference it would have made, right? If it was second and third and no run instead of a runner on second and one out and uh, one in, but um, yeah, it was it was clear that the. Austin Riley shift to left field was not great tonight. And we'll talk about that a little bit more, but he did not look great out there. I, I guess it's a ball that in hindsight, he probably should have let go. But when you're sprinting to a loose ball and you know, there's a fast runner on base, you don't exactly have time to, to figure that out.
1: Yeah. Um, so those are not the two. I mean, I guess the overturn was controversial, but we'll go on from there to more disastrous outcomes um, from there. Will Smith, it's a 110-mile-an-hour double to left center. Just absolutely cranked. It was actually a great play by Pache to cut the ball off. That's a, a world-class defensive play by him to let the ball not go all the way to the wall. Um, still down 2 nothing, but uh, a, a nice throw by Pache. It looked like Smith might have come off the bag and been out at second base, um, but the Dodgers challenged the first play of the game, and Brian Snicker did not choose to challenge that play. Um, I will say this, I'm not sure that he would have gotten an overturn. Um, I think it was close. You know, Brace fans were making it sound like it was a clear-cut thing. I, I'm not, I was not quite there. But I think that is a play you have to challenge. So yep. that, that's kind of where I, I mean, it sounds like you agree with me, but that, that's a play you, I know you only get so many challenges, but how many times in a game are you going to need those challenges? And that's a big moment in that game. And I think you have to challenge there. He didn't do it.
2: Well, and the worst part of, of all of this leading up to it was, after the Seager double, Wright got two ground outs. So there were two outs, and the score was one nothing. I think that kind of got overlooked a little bit. I mean, if that ball is a little bit to the right and is caught, or if they do either throw him out at second or review it and get it overturned, I mean, it's a huge difference. I know we're, we're talking ifs and buts, but, um, yeah, live, I thought Will Smith came off the bag Um as you said, I'm glad that Brian Snicker kept his challenge in his pocket for when it was 11-0. Like use them. You, you have no idea if you're going to need it later in the game, but it's hard to imagine there being a more significant time to use a challenge to get out of an inning when your pitcher clearly doesn't have it. I don't know why he didn't challenge it. As you said, not even five minutes after the Dodgers challenged and got one overturned. Um, so that was that was very frustrating because it was the difference between being either one nothing or two nothing instead of, of course, as we know, 11 nothing.
1: Yeah. Um, I'm not going to tell you the game was different if they challenged there, and I don't even know if it gets overturned, but it was a moment that everyone, not everyone, a lot of people circled and yelled at us about, not not at us for doing anything wrong, but it was a it was a frequent point of discussion later on in the game and during the ending. and I was on board with that. I think it should have been a challenge, um, just kind of fundamentally they probably lose anyway. I'm, like, I'm not telling you that they, that they win this game if they, if they challenge there, but uh, worth at least noting. Um, moments later, Kyle Wright gets pretty clearly squeezed on a clear strike against Cody Bellinger. Bellinger walks, and then uh, seconds later, a two-run homer by Jock Peterson, and then another homer on the next pitch by Rios, both of which were cranked, like these were not cheap home runs. And uh, in, in the blink of an eye, it's 6 nothing. So uh, Wright then walks Chris Taylor, and gets pulled. So I'm going to stop here, Scott. I'm not going to spoil it for everybody else. Uh, I saw your reaction on Twitter, but if people didn't see it. What, what were your thoughts about Kyle Wright being uh, pulled there with only two outs in the first inning, knowing full yeah. well the bullpen uh, is going to be taxed the next couple of days?
2: Yeah, I mean, he was only at 28 pitches, and it was clear that Wright did not have great stuff, but it was only one inning. And when you know that at at best case, Wright is going to be able to cover three or four innings, but you know that tomorrow is a bullpen game, and quite possibly, depending on how it goes, game five on Friday is also going to be a bullpen game of sorts, or maybe you have Freed throw 80 pitches instead of his normal 100. I think you have to leave right out there to eat it. Now, maybe if he starts approaching 35, 40 pitches, you don't want him to get hurt. But he was at 28 there, and there was two outs already. And I get that he's struggling, and he's not throwing strikes, and he was getting squeezed by the umpire uh, a good amount, though the umpire was... Consistently pretty bad both ways, I thought tonight. Um, I really thought, and, and we'll talk about uh, Enoa a little bit later, who really saved the Braves' butts. But in that moment, having to cover eight and a third innings when your starting pitcher is only at 28 pitches, and you know tomorrow you're going to use at minimum five different relievers, I, I did not agree with it at all.
1: Yeah, I didn't have the same visceral reaction that you did, although I sort of lean your way. I may mention of that as well. You know, it took 21 minutes of real time to get into the bullpen, and that's just, that's just crazy. Um, I do understand all sides of the right thing. On one hand, like, your point is a good one. They need the innings there. You have to get something out of him, and uh, we'll fast-forward later on to the uh, heroic work of Enoa in this game to not make this as big of a deal as it could have been. But on the other hand... The counter argument—I'm not sure if I'm even if I believe this or not, or devil's advocate or whatever—but Wright is not a guy who's a throwaway reliever. We saw Grant Dayton kind of just get left out there to die in this game um, for as long as he possibly could have, and he, he looked terrible. He had nothing, and I felt I felt bad for Grant Dayton, but that's kind of what you had to do there. Wright is not Grant Dayton. Wright is a you know pr- a former premier prospect that is still very young that you're hoping to maybe get back in this series. You might have to use Kyle Wright again in this series. Um, so maybe there's a mental aspect, and that's where I will maybe defer to Snit on this one a little bit. Like, if you think that Kyle Wright just might be gone mentally if you leave him out there to die, I, I kind of get it. Um, I'm not telling you that's definitely the case, but I can see that argument at least um, because of how young he is. This is sort of his, first, you know, the biggest stage of his career by far, obviously, and it was bad. He he did not have it going regardless tonight. But if you think. Slash know that you know I think even Smoltz not that the broadcast was kind of brutal this is a good point I thought um you need Kyle Wright to win the World Series like you need Kyle Wright to yeah. be good to win the World Series and obviously we're not going to say they're going to win this win this series first but long term Wright is not a guy you can be without mentally and you can't afford for him to like go into a shell here so that's the counter argument and I think it's a valid one yeah. I lean your side but I do sort of understand it. Well,
2: and, and that is a good point. I actually, I did not hear it. I, I muted the broadcast myself after a little while tonight because I thought it was just brutal. Um, I will say, obviously, if Grant Dayton comes in and gets the next batter out, the decision looks a lot different, right? But the fact that Dayton, I mean, it was a horrible situation for him to be put in and he certainly wore it. But um, I, I guess I might feel a little bit differently if if Dayton comes in and gets the next batter to strike out or whatever to, to end the inning at 6 nothing. It's still not... A great scenario right but I guess it's better than 11 nothing by all means um it, it was a bad situation all the way around <laughs> yes, and, it was. And, but it is a good point I mean I, I would have leaned towards leaving right up there maybe he tries for one more batter to get out of it I think yeah. it was um I I think that was fine but again it, in the moment and knowing what happened with Dayton is all a little bit of hindsight
1: right and I'm I'm not I'm not firmly against you here I think I'm actually probably again towards your side. But I think, you know, fast forward to later on, people were asking me if like Wright was an option for later on in the series, like if this game, if this series goes, you know, however long, I I don't know how they're going to handle that. I really don't. Like I'm not sure how much confidence it's going to have in Kyle Wright after this start, but at the same time, he is, he's your third starter. I mean, they only have two guys you trust, but he's number three. So you need, you're going to need him to pitch probably again in the series if you're going to win it. So uh, yeah, keep that in mind too. Okay, once that all happens, Dayton comes in. Uh we know that Dayton is probably the last guy in the bullpen, so they use him here. Uh he walks bets, he gives up a, singer, a single to Seeger, and then he hits Turner. This is the the game was already over probably, but Justin Turner getting uh given a given a base on balls, uh a sort of a hit by pitch by sticking his foot out over the plate and kicking the ball was uh an under uh under-discussed moment. I know Braves fans discussed it, but it wasn't really a moment on the broadcast, really. And I'm thinking, I know this, I know it's six nothing or seven nothing, whatever it was at that moment in time. But if I'm Snicker there, I might, I might have got run. Like that, yeah. that, that's ridiculous. <laughs>
2: anyway. he, sh- he should have gotten thrown out there as a way to just kind of say, you know, screw you guys, you. That's ridiculous. I've, I've watched a lot of baseball in my life, Brad. I've never seen a player stick his foot out and get rewarded with a with first base. I've never seen that. If there was an opportunity, and I know Snicker's a pretty calm and cool guy, and Everybody loved Bobby Cox when he would go chew out an umpire for five minutes and they'd have to escort him off the field. But I, I don't understand why he wasn't more upset about that. Again, as you said, it was 7 nothing at that point. So the game was not over, but for all intents and purposes, it would require a hell of a comeback, right? Um, yeah, weird situation. I don't know how they gave first base on that. and Again, ultimately, it was not a, a, a game-changing play by any means, but just weird all the way
1: around. Yeah, the the impact of that move slash call or everything else was pretty low in this game, obviously. But uh, a moment that I didn't want to let go by without discussing it briefly. Uh, seconds later, Max Muncy hits a grand slam to end any doubt about this game. At seven nothing, the Braves are huge underdogs, quite obviously. At eleven nothing uh, in the first. Yeah. It's over. I, I saw Fangrass put out put out and I tweeted this. Fangrass put out a uh, a live probability of like two percent, and I was like, guys, that that's that's too high. I'm not telling you that it was zero point zero because it's not, but two percent is is way too high. Done eleven nothing. I'm sorry. Yeah. Uh so and by the way, they they broke the baseball record for playoff runs in an inning that was set last year against the Braves in game five. We will not discuss that anymore on this podcast, but uh History history was made in an unfortunate manner against the Braves two years in a row. I have no thoughts on that other than let's just not talk about it.
2: Never again. <laughs> Never Out again. of our mind, let's win this series so we don't have to look back on that inning ever again. It's like, oh, yeah, we kind of laugh at it, right? Yeah. It was, it was the most Braves way possible. We've said it at the beginning of the podcast. I'd much rather give up 11 runs in the first inning and give some guys some days off, especially with, with no days off to kind of recover mentally and physically. I would much rather lose this way than – be doing this podcast in another two hours when the Braves lost two to one in the fourteenth inning or something like that.
1: Yeah, it was it was painful, but then it's a blowout and you can kind of get prepared for the podcast and look beyond it. Um, we'll, we'll stop there with play by play officially. I want to mention a few things, uh, just that happened along the way and kind of a laugh out loud moment in the in the in the uh, bottom of the first because that was all the top of the first. Uh, actually, the offense kind of started out pretty well. Back-to-back walks for Acuna and Freeman, then two outs, and then um, Ozzie hits a 415 foot line drive slash fly ball that was caught by Cody Bellinger mm-hmm. at the wall. Yeah. So the game was already over as we as we as we both said, but it was that was one of the, that was the moment I was like, all right, this is going to be one of obviously we already know this is one of those nights, but you know 113 would have felt a little bit frisky not really but something and yeah. the whole, literally the longest fly ball maybe in the entire major leagues that can be caught in a baseball field in a, inside the field was that was that play
2: <laughs> yeah it was i mean it was truly like the most microcosm of the of the game right i mean the ball was crushed ozzie was right handed again uh, it, i thought it was gone and you're right i mean 113 you're not going to start chanting that the comeback is on right but um yeah, for for Bellinger to make kind of a twirling catch at the wall for 411 feet, you had a, a baseball. I don't care if you're in Coors Field or Arlington or uh, Atlanta, Georgia. You had a ball 411, 15 feet, excuse me, 415 feet. It needs to be a home run.
1: Yeah, it was just that's just silly. It doesn't matter, but man, that was brutal. Uh, Dayton gets blasted some more. Uh, the the only honestly maybe the only good thing other than the performance of you know that we'll talk about in a second of the whole night is Christian Pache uh, breaks up a no-hitter and also hits, uh, hits a home run for his first major league homer in the third. Apropos of nothing, but, you know, shouts to him. We we're, we are fans of Pache on this podcast, and our minor league guys have always liked Pache. It was fun to see him do that. Not not the greatest spot in the world for it, considering the, uh, the stakes and the situation, but it happened, and uh, congratulations to him.
2: Yeah. yeah, good for him. I mean, it, it's a short list of players who have hit their first big league homer. I think ESPN stats and info tweeted out. He was one of, I think six players who have ever homered for the first time in their careers in the playoffs. So good for him. Again, he's going to be someone who both in this series and if the Braves advance, it it looks like he will be in there just about every night moving forward. Um, He will be counted on, even if it's in the bottom of the order and he he's flashed just why his upside and potential is so tantalizing with the power, with the glove, with the speed. Um, Good for him. Hopefully he was able to get the ball from one of the fans in the stands, it should not be hard to locate said individual. And, um, that gives them something to feel good about.
1: Yeah. Uh, one of the only things, but alas. Okay. From there, we will, uh, breeze through the rest, but, um, a moment now for Huascar, you know, you know, uh, who throws, who comes in for Dayton, gets a clean inning in the fourth and he throws 92 pitches, extremely important pitches. Now, It may not seem important because the Braves got murdered in this game, um, but he saves the bullpen in a huge way. Um, So that's obvious to me, I think, and most people, that he did a big service there. He threw a ton of pitches unexpectedly and all that. I'll stop now and just ask you, what what did you make of that decision? Because, I'm asking, there were some people that I saw that didn't like it because he almost because you pitched well, it was like, well, now they wasted him. And it's like, well, they had to go somewhere in yeah, this. Yeah. So that's kind of where I was. But, um, what did you make of, you know, uh, both the performance and the decision?
2: So the real decision the Braves made was to go with Bryce Wilson as the game four starter. Announced over... before the game,
1: by the way. Yes. Yes. Before. Uh, don't, don't tell Joe Buck who didn't acknowledge it for an hour and a half <laughs> on the broadcast, but
2: Joe Buck, what a guy. Um, so that that is a decision the Braves made. And just like all of the important decisions the Braves made, it will we will obviously bring analysis on it and see how it works out. Right. You um, know, it was fantastic. You needed somebody to cover those middle innings. Now, if Bryce Wilson gets lit up tomorrow, which there's a decent chance it happens, but yes. we'll see. Everyone's going to ask, well, why the hell didn't you throw Enoa? He can actually throw a breaking ball, which the Dodgers struggle with far more than than fastballs, which is all Bryce Wilson can really throw. Um, I will say, if the Braves do win the series, Enoa needs to be like the first guy up on the podium or whatever they do to get his... Uh, <laughs> can, can, to you, get his...
1: can you imagine that? If they were like, and congratulations to Huascar Enoa. N L C S LCS MVP Huascar Enoa
2: for all eternity and glory. Um, but I mean, in, in all seriousness if he goes out there and is just not checked into the game and stinks and has to be pulled after, you know, an inning and a half, cause he's thrown 50 pitches and you're worried about him hurting himself. Uh, it's, it's a different game because while the bullpen has used quite a bit, the last two nights, they could not withstand, which is why I was so frustrated whenever they did pull right after 28 pitches, they did not want to have to use anybody of any statue, I guess <clears throat> in this game tonight. So I mean, shout-outs to him. Again, it was it was four very important innings to cover. The game was over. It was 15-1 to one or whatever it was at that point. But um, great job by him to save the bullpen, keep everybody fresh, and uh, hopefully give the Braves a – but I honestly feel that his four innings of bullpen work significantly improves the Braves' chances of winning this series. If he would have been gone out there and embarrassed himself and had to be pulled and they had to dip into the other guys who they wanted to rest tonight, Will Smith – uh, Shane Green, who ended up coming in anyway.
0: Oh, we'll get to
2: that later. Yeah, but uh, no, I mean, hats off to him. He did a great job. Hopefully, they're able to use him again later in the series if uh, if the situation presents itself.
1: Yeah, you know, the downside is, of course, that he's probably burned till game seven, maybe game six. Um, but he, you know, he threw ninety two pitches. That, that's the start. That's basically a, a start that he made tonight. Um, so that's the only downside here. But I am firmly on board. With, with using it. Us. I do want to say now, before I forget to say it, I, I know I got some people asking me why I was so bothered by using Tomlin last night, and obviously we couldn't have foreseen this, but the entire reason to employ Josh Tomlin is to have Josh Tomlin pitch five innings tonight in yep. a mop-up game. And for some reason, they used him last night in a one-inning situation. That made no sense. I said it at the time. it's It felt like a small thing, but it, it wasn't a small thing. And uh, even without, I, I know it seems even more, you know, hindsight now, but I did say it last night and not that I was projecting this kind of outcome, but the whole value of Tomlin is to go out and eat innings for you and just be able to throw forever because he he, he doesn't need to throw hard, max effort and all that stuff. This was the night for Josh Tomlin. That should have been Josh Tomlin for four plus innings Mm -hmm. and he wasn't available. He he might've been available, but people mentioned that too. Like he could could, could have pitched again. I'm like, yeah, he could have pitched tonight. I'm sure he could have pitched tonight, but you know what he wasn't going to do for 90 pitches tonight after pitching last night. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I mean, again, it was it was really kind of the first—I don't want to say wrong, but I mean, honestly, the first decision that Brian Snicker has made this postseason, last night's ninth inning, that has backfired. And thank God the Braves won that game, right? But yeah. um, not having Tomlin tonight, or or as you said, not having him available to do what you would want. Right? He might he um, might
1: have been available, and people were like jumping on my on my back about that. I'm like, look, I th- I wasn't saying he couldn't pitch tonight, but there's no way after he pitches yesterday, he's going to be able to go out and throw you know, 70 pitches for you in the way that you would have wanted him to tonight. So it's a, again, it feels like a small thing, but if, if you're one of the people that's yelling about, you know, wanting, you know, at a better situation, you can honestly blame Tomlin's usage from last night for that, because I'm not sure that Snicker would use Tomlin today, but he should have like, if Tomlin was fresh and hadn't pitched, that is the spot for Josh Tomlin. And they, uh, couldn't use him in that role. So anyway, people, uh, can think what they want to think about that one. um, Rest of the way here, we are going to take a break in a second and then get to look-ahead stuff. Um, the game is still happening as we're talking now, but you referenced it earlier, so we'll just talk about the bullpen usage. Um, they got, you know, you know what, for a long, long time, they they bring in, once you know was, you know, firmly shot and shots to him again, they bring in Jacob Webb. That was fine, I think. Webb is the lowest leverage guy that had not already pitched. You know, uh, obviously Dayton was the other guy. Um... I I argued in the moment that they honestly could have just gone to position players then and not use Webb. Um, Webb was not very good when he came in, Um, but I'm okay with using Webb there. Fast forward, though, while we we were recording, Snit, for reasons that are quite literally beyond my comprehension, has put in Shane Green, who is a high-leverage reliever in a 15-1 game when you're going to need every bit of bullpen help. I tweeted this just now um, when it happened, and... I was kind of shocked at how many people defended this decision because I think it's indefensible. I think using Shane Green there is, I, I know he hasn't pitched in a long time, and that was a lot of the reaction like, "Oh, well, he's fresh." I'm like, "Okay, cool. You, you, know what you know, they could probably use him to be fresh tomorrow or the next day when the Braves have maybe back-to-back bullpen games coming, and Shane yeah. Green is not like the highest the highest leverage guy on the team anymore. But Shane Green's one of your you know one of your five six best pitchers out of the bullpen." I just don't understand. I, I'm sure Snit will have an explanation or we'll be asked. If, you know, I, hope he, I hope he's asked about it, but man, that, that kind of blows my mind.
2: Yeah. Weird all around. And again, the ninth inning last night looms large in everyone's minds. Um, we, I guess if you're looking for a positive, he's, he's faced two batters so far and he struck out both of them <laughs> He struck out Will Smith and he struck out Cody Bellinger. So he does look pretty good just watching him now, but just weird all the way around. He really wasn't used much in the Marlin series either. Now, if, if the the situation doesn't present itself, and if you're going to go with, it's pretty clear right now that Melanson, Martin, and Will Smith are the top three dogs in the bullpen, and yeah. Shane Green did not have the best final couple weeks of the year, but he no, he's still not been great. Pretty good. Yeah. Um. Yeah. Weird. Weird to say the least. He's. He's. I know you have to have somebody throw the ninth inning and get that, but <laughs> for him to yeah. pitch. This game, but not the ninth when it was eight to three, but in this, I mean, again, in the grand scheme, I don't know if it matters all that much, but I knew, (laughs) I knew before we recorded you, uh, before we started, uh, recording the pod, you were talking about how you would not use Shane Green in any way, shape, or form. Why would you? you I just
1: don't understand. I mean, I, I, Snit is a traditionalist. I'm sure that plays in here, but honestly, this is the, this is a game where you kind of have to use a position player. I mean, we've made all the Culberson jokes in the world. But why, why did he not pitch in this game? That makes no sense to me at all. This game has been over for seven innings. Yeah. Like, there's no days off. On one hand, you do the correct thing and save the bullpen by using Enoa, but then you turn around and use Shane Green, who, again, he's not Mert Melanson. He's not Will Smith. But you don't think you're going to use Shane Green in the next couple of days? I mean, I know, I know he'll be available again tomorrow. I'm not saying he won't be. But... This is a series where you have no days off. So now yep. at, at a bare minimum if he pitches tomorrow, he's not available for game 5. He's not pitching three days in a row. So Yeah it's or, just, or
2: use him, you know, part of my other multiple frustration. Yeah, I mean part of my other frustration with the first inning was if you're going to pull right at 28 pitches and it's still a semi-reasonable game at 6-nothing, yeah, you don't feel great. But why go to the very last guy in your bullpen? Why not give it to Shane Green, right? If Shane Green comes out, gets an out, and then works another inning for you, again, I know it's it's all hindsight, and who knows what would have transpired if we did 25 million different things, but, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm stumped like you. I, I guess they want to get him some work because, really, Green has barely pitched the entire playoffs, and I would guess he's okay for tomorrow if they need him. Who knows what tomorrow will look like, and then... Uh, certainly for Game Five, assuming they don't have to burn them tomorrow night.
1: Yeah, I mean, it could be a low leverage thing, it could be a uh, low impact decision. I'm not going to tell you it's going to change the series that he use Shane Green, but it just kind of blows my mind. And we're, we're we're reacting live on the podcast. And when I saw that come across Twitter, I just could not believe that was going to happen. Okay, uh, Scott, let's take a break. The game is still going as we talk right now, which is still funny. Uh, let's, take, let's take a break here for a second, and then we were going to we'll come back and we will talk about game 4, game 5, etc. so hold on
0: tight. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's SYLVAN29.com. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. He's doing later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the
2: most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy.
0: What's what the poster said?
2: See Ryan Gosling
0: and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read PG-13. All
1: right, Scott. Assuming the Braves do not come back from down 15 to 1 in the top of the ninth, they're going to be leading 2-1. Uh, as Game Four arrives at 8:08 8. 08 p.m. Eastern Time on Thursday, as we said before, Bryce Wilson is announced as the starter. 22-year-old has not pitched yet in the postseason. His career numbers are not good. Um, on the bright side, he was very good in his last two outings this year, throwing eight innings combined, one earned run, nine strikeouts. Um, but this is not a guy that, for as much as, my, as I was frustrated about Joe Buck just dismissing him out of hand and not even talking about the fact that the Braves had a starting pitcher. Um, Bryce is not someone that I think anyone's comfortable with in Game 4. Uh, his numbers are not fantastic, especially against lefties. His numbers are really, really bad. Um, but that's, this is the reality. That's the, that's the choice they've made. I was all set to tell people, and I actually had this written down. I'm not even sure if you saw this, but it was actually before the game started. I had written down, obviously has to be on a short leash on the document. Uh, which I think is kind of still true, but a little bit harder now, <laughs> maybe. Uh, I don't know, man. Uh, w- what do you think about Bryce Wilson? Because on the Dodgers side, it's going to be Kershaw unless he wakes up tomorrow and can't pitch. So we have to assume it is Clayton Kershaw, future Hall of Famer against Bryce Wilson, which is about as lopsided as it gets.
2: Yeah, who wants to uh, sneak into the betting or the hotel room and change out Kershaw's betting tonight to hopefully uh, <laughs> hopefully, cause the back spasm a little bit? No, I'm, I'm joking. Yeah. Um, it is not going to be easy for Bryce Wilson tomorrow. As we have seen in this series, the Dodgers are much better against fastballs than they are breaking stuff, as most teams are. But everything that Kyle Wright got hit on was with his fastball. Wilson is not somebody who has a lot of great secondary offerings. His fastball is okay. We've seen when he's locating it, it can be effective. It almost serves as a sinker. There's a lot of downhill movement on it. But yeah, I mean, if, if you're talking about a True David and Goliath situation. I'm not sure it gets bigger than Clayton Kershaw versus Bryce Wilson, but I mean, Hey, it's baseball. Maybe a few breaks will go our way.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's, that's the best way to put it. The odds are not out yet because the game is still happening, but we can assume the Dodgers will be substantial favorites. The Dodgers have been favored in every game just for what, it, for what it's worth. But, you know, we'll see how they handle Wilson. I do think one of the upsides if you want to call it that, from having you Noah know, save the bullpen tonight other than Shane Green for some reason, um, is that you do have all of your guys. So if 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 Wilson is not crisp, which is certainly in play, you can be aggressive. You can go to guys for multiple innings, You know, especially like Tyler, like Tyler Matzik's a guy who can pitch multiple innings. Um, you could go to Tomlin. I'm not sure they want to do that, but if, if, it, if it gets really ugly early for Wilson, you might go to Tomlin for some damage control. You can pitch all of your best guys tomorrow if the game is competitive. And that yeah. is very helpful. Um, I was ready to talk about like who wasn't available for tomorrow before the game started. And honestly, I think everyone other than you is going to be available tomorrow. Maybe Webb won't be because he pitched more than an inning tonight. but um, And Dayton won't be pitching unless something crazy happens the rest of the series. Um, but the guys who really matter should be available tomorrow, uh, including Green, as much as I went on that rant earlier. He should be able to pitch tomorrow. So yeah. we'll see. I, I uh oh I wanted to ask you, what do you make of the opener idea? You know, that ship has sailed now, mm. but people were asking me why Snet didn't didn't I'm not sure if they didn't consider it or not, why he didn't do it for tomorrow. And honestly, the looming factor here is still that game five is on the table and Freed is not like a given for game five either, so keep that in mind. Yeah, yeah.
2: I would I would go with an opener. I would go with Tyler Matzik and fully intend to pitch Bryce Wilson for an inning or two, but I would Lean towards going. I mean, just kind of like tonight's game. I would generally lean towards using your better relievers until the situation gets out of hand, and then see. I mean, tomorrow, if if Bryce Wilson goes out there and gives up five runs in the first inning, I mean, what are you, what are we doing at that point, right? You don't want to burn your good relievers because the score is five nothing, and presumably it's a game you you aren't going to likely win. Um, So that's why I would be in favor of using someone better. Maybe Bryce will surprise us. As you said, he pitched well in his last two starts. Granted, they were nowhere near the level of uh, stress and difficulty that tomorrow will be. But um, I would probably lean towards Matzik for two innings and see what happens. But um, ultimately, I think, as you said, as long as the game is even somewhat close, it will be all hands on deck.
1: Yeah, and the game is now over officially. And Shane Green threw 25 pitches. Yeah, it's late and I'm annoyed, but that doesn't make sense. Okay, Uh, moving on. The other thing that I wanted to ask you about, we talked about Kershaw. If he can't, by the way, if he can't go, it's going to be Dustin May by all accounts. If Kershaw wakes up and has a back issue again, it'll be May. And it's not like May is bad, like May is really talented and good. So even if it's May, they have the advantage. I'd rather face May than Kershaw, to be sure. But uh, that's worth pointing out. The other thing is the, is the lineup, the lineup change. So that happened today. I talked about it a little bit with Eric last night cuz we kind of assumed this was going to happen with Snicker saying it publicly. But what do you make of the new lineup against Lefties? Camargo third, Riley in left, and Marcus off the bench. I will stop there and let you answer.
2: Yeah. So I would go back to the the games 1 and 2. I know Marcus against Lefties is really not ideal, but I do think as we saw tonight, defense in these games takes on such a premium and who knows if Austin Riley, what would happen in that first inning if you have Riley out there, if you have is it a, uh, Markekis who's been in left field. Who knows how the game would have been differently, but ultimately I just don't. I know he had a couple of decent plate appearances tonight, but I just don't have a lot of faith in Johan Camargo and Austin Riley, with good reason. As somebody who has not played left field in probably 13 calendar months at this point, um, did not look good and left and he's looked phenomenal at third base. He's honestly the reason the Braves won that game last night because of his defense. Um, so I would go back to the games one and two lineup. I know you're giving up something with Mark Hakus there, but um, I would much rather have the consistency and continuity of games one and two than what we saw in three.
1: I am less convinced of that. I, I liked the move more than you seem to have. You know, I, I wasn't a zealot about it. I thought that you know Camargo is not so much of an upgrade that it was a no brainer to go after um, that position, especially when you're talking about moving Riley and uh, our thoughts on Marquez against lefties are well documented. But um, he's probably a better left fielder than Austin Riley is based on what we saw tonight. Riley's a good athlete. Um, we actually I actually got a question about like this is this one kind of made me chuckle. But it was why wasn't Riley uh, at third and Camargo in left? And I want to say, guys, Ooh. you have to understand Camargo can't run. Camargo is yeah. so slow.
2: He, <laughs> he literally can't run. Um, yeah.
1: So just I know people just haven't caught up, I, There There's certain people that haven't caught, caught, caught up on that yet, just yet. Camargo is not a good athlete. He cannot run. He cannot cover ground. So that's why. Uh, I, but this is not a good advertisement for the Austin Riley and left field show. And if you're going to do that, I will do my nightly mention of why don't you just put Ozuna in left that would be what i would do if they were going to do that again but um they won't do that they never will so i understand i just want to make sure that i keep my i keep my streak alive scott cuz i say that on every podcast yeah. uh if they want that to markakis i would i would think that it was defensible um i actually think that Urias is a worse matchup for markakis than Kershaw is um cuz Kershaw is not overpowering at this point and that's what really gets markakis yeah. This the sample size stuff. I don't I don't care about pitcher hitter splits, at all. But um, I know they were I guess okay for Markakis against Kershaw. But just stylistically, I think if you watch Markakis and look at the numbers, what he really struggles with, and this makes sense. He's an older guy. Is guys who can throw in the high nineties and kind of blow them away. Kershaw is not going to do that. I'm not telling you it's a good matchup because it's not because it's a lefty on lefty. Kershaw has, also has reverse has, has some some sort of reverse splits as well. He's not a traditionally dominant. Lefty on lefty guy. So, all that said, I will, I will, de- I will defend going back to Marcakis a lot easier in Game Four after what we saw from Riley and Leftfield tonight, and also just given the matchups a little bit easier. Yeah, I still, I'll be okay though if they stay with with, with the lineup from Game Three. I think that Riley probably isn't as bad in left as he looked tonight, um, and I think that Camargo actually at the plate looked better than I thought he was going to look at the plate. So yeah. those two things. Are worth noting. I mean, I, I tweeted this today, but it's worth saying now. There are no great options here. That that spot is just a wasteland right now. I mean, God bless Christian Pache, who looks good, and that's a no brainer. He should play every game the rest of the way. We knew that already, but that's definitely happening now. I would imagine. But the the, the Camargo Sandoval Marquez trio. There's nothing good about that, honestly. You're just picking the uh, the least damaging.
2: Yeah, I mean, you're right. I will say Camargo was impressive. He had a great at bat. He almost homered. Um, so yeah, I mean, I, there's no great solution here, right? There's no Barry Bond sitting on the bench, but, um, well, it, it will be interesting to see I, for a team that had the exact same lineup, the first, what was it? Seven games of the playoffs, uh, with tonight being the first time they had to change it. Um, it will be a, a decision to make tomorrow. Again, I, I think I generally lean towards defense in a series like this, especially in a ballpark you're not familiar with, but, um, if they decide to go with the same lineup and in, in Camargo at third and Riley and left, um, I won't be surprised, nor will I be overly upset again. You're, it's not like you're, you're messing with the top half of the order or anything like that, but, um, it will be a decision to make for sure.
1: Yeah. So we'll see what they do there. I, I my prediction is that Snit will go back to Mark Hickes. That's my prediction. I'm not sure that I'll be right. Um, but I think if all else is equal, he would like to go back to the vet. And Riley's defense in this game gave him a reason. <laughs> yeah. So I mean, uh, honestly,
2: I think it's going back to Austin Riley at third base more than it is Nick going back to Nick Marks. Yeah, that's, it's that's how a, I look at that's it.
1: That's a good point. I, I, you know, again, I think Camargo looked better than I thought he was going to look tonight. So that's that's a point in his favor as well. But the sample size of Riley in the outfield tonight was a small sample, but it, it wasn't a wasn't a good one. So we'll see where they go on that one. Um, okay, Scott. So the final thing on the podcast is that it's two, one, the Braves are leading the series. Every single narrative nationally will be about how the Dodgers woke up in in the ninth inning of game two. They bludgeoned them in game three Dodgers are the better team, which I, I do agree with on paper. They're the better team, but the Braves are still leading the series on a neutral field. And while we don't have the numbers in front of us now, because they haven't updated yet. Um, I just want to lay that out there and ask you like where this goes from here because game four obviously favors the Dodgers on paper, but you know, it's a seven game series and you're winning two one. So it can't be that dire.
2: Yeah. I mean, I will say this. I think momentum in baseball is the silliest, most made up thing there is. I do not believe in momentum. I do not believe that because the Dodgers scored four runs off of Josh Tomlin in the ninth inning last night that their bats are suddenly going crazy. Cause if you follow that, they were just shut out five innings in a row by the back end of the Braves' bullpen. Alas, I, I will digress. Um, certainly, we talked about this series, and the Braves needed to be up 2-1 to one after Game 3 if they wanted to have a chance. And guess what? They're up three, two games to one. And as we said, if you would have told us roughly 72 hours ago that they were up two games to one, you'd feel okay. Now, of course, we wouldn't know how Game 3 went. It was not great by any metric. Um If I had to to put money on it, I don't know. I I truly think it's more 50-50 at this point. I'm not saying the Braves can't win tomorrow. It would be a true David and Goliath if if Bryce Wilson and the Braves can knock off future first ballot Hall of Famer Clayton Kershaw. To go up 3-1 would be amazing. I don't expect it to happen. But if they do lose and it's 2-2 and it's a best of three, the Dodgers are also without Clayton Kershaw. That was the real implication of his back spasms not being able to go in game two. He might be able to throw out of the bullpen in a game seven scenario. If it gets there, um, you're going to have to see Walker Bueller. And I would assume you're going to see Tony Gonsolin, who was good. And he was really good the first time through the order, but then the Braves lit him up, of course, in game two. So if the Braves win tomorrow, obviously three, one, you're feeling really good about it if they lose. And as you said, the lines aren't out, but they will be significant underdogs. Yes. Um, I don't think it's the end all be all. And all of a sudden, you know, this series is going to be over, you know, Dodgers are going to win four in a row. I don't think that could have happened. Sure. Um, I've kind of felt like this series was going seven either way. And the Braves going up two to one early is certainly helps their cause because the alternative is they'd be down two to one after just getting spanked 15 to two. And then I would feel like the sky is kind of falling. I don't feel that way. So it is going to be a great last four games of the series, give or take, um, it's, it's going to be a challenge tomorrow and beyond, but I think games one and two really did show the Braves can hang with these guys, no matter how good the Dodgers are.
1: Yeah. And I can't remember if I said this on, on the podcast last night or something else. I, I did a radio hit today. Someone asked me this. I can't remember why I said it, but I'll say it again now. Cause you know, if the Braves lost game three, which they did um, the question posed to me, or at least that I discussed was, you know, what's the percentage chance at that point in time. And Maybe the market, something like that. Um, I do think that when the new series prices come out in the betting markets, when the projections come out for the series, it'll be like a coin flip again. So after game one, the Braves won game one, but the series market was still a coin flip or so because everyone views the Dodgers as the better team. That's going to be the same thing now, I think. Uh, You know, the Braves lead by a game, but the the, uh, systems, the models favor the Dodgers um but you know you still played three games now and the dodgers even with a win in game three they have to win three out of the next four yep that's that's just the math and the braves are not you know leaps and bounds worse than the dodgers we we both picked the dodgers to win the series before the series started because we thought they were better but the gap is not so big where a team that is down two one is not a favorite in the series. Okay. I I I won't I won't go as far as you did on, on on the momentum question but I do think that it will it will be overblown. This result is going to be overblown nationally, maybe locally as well. Like the sky's falling stuff's going to be happening. Um the jokes will be appropriate <laughs> after this game. But I, I I firmly believe that you know, you reset after today. The Braves lead this series 2 to 1. The Dodgers have the advantage in game 4. So it's closer to coin flip, but I think the Braves are honestly probably still small favorites in the yeah. series. The only reason why it's a coin flip maybe is because of how big the odd paper advantage is for the Dodgers in Game Four, just because of that matchup that we talked about before. You know, Kershaw versus Wilson is about as lopsided as a playoff matchup can get. <laughs> it just it really it really is. Um, it really is. I'm sorry I'm, so, I'm not, and I honestly I say that with no dis- no disrespect to Bryce Wilson who is talented and I think Bryce Wilson is capable of pitching well tomorrow. He really is. That's a guy who was a former really impressive prospect. He can go out and give you three, four, five good innings tomorrow, and I won't be stunned. But it's Clayton Kershaw on the other side, and Wilson has just not had the pedigree. So I don't know. My, my overall thing is if you maybe pick the series now again, I think I probably picked the Braves in seven. And given that we both picked the Dodgers before the series started, that's a shift. But I, I'm, I'm not going to be swayed by this. Admittedly, you know, comically yes. lopsided result. I know how bad it yep. was tonight. We didn't no one no one had fun, but the Braves still lead the series.
2: The game just mercifully ended. I will say the Braves now have all of the momentum going by the Fox Sports logic because the (laughs) Braves have now outscored the Dodgers three to nothing since the third inning tonight. So they have all of the momentum, and I look forward to Mr. Alex Rodriguez and uh, Frank Thomas yelling about momentum for fifteen minutes here. But now, I mean, again, tonight's game sucked. I guess to wrap it up, tonight's game was miserable. It really was. But the Braves are still ahead in the series, and if you're gonna lose a game lose a game like this right don't don't lose a heartbreaker when you're you're leading late and everybody thinks you're about to go up 30 and you're a game from the World Series you move on right you, you you get a meal you go to bed and you wake up and tomorrow's a new day we're tw- less than 24 hours away from the game so um, get it out of your system hopefully this is by far the worst the Braves look uh, over the next four four days here and and then move on
1: yeah that's well said uh, okay We've done it, Scott. We've navigated what was a treacherous night. Uh, eat your heart out, Eric Cole. We got done on the podcast before 11 p.m. because we were smart enough to start early. And uh, nothing came back to bite us. This is the rare time. And honestly, I hate starting the recording before the game ends in a playoff game. But uh, one of those times when you're down by 14 runs, you can, you can go ahead and get started. So shout out to you for that idea.
2: Yeah, if they would have come back, we would have just like Scrapped manically it. laughed for – oh, I would have just started laughing for 30 minutes and then you would have turned off the recording. Yeah, if they, <laughs> if they came back
1: and won the game, we would have – I would have saved our conversation, but I would have come out – I would have come on the podcast at the top and just said, all right, now we're going to record a podcast. We'll, we'll We'll do it, and at the end, I'll tack on – the 20 minutes that Scott and I did before the game, before the comeback happened. Cause that yep. would have been a lot of fun to listen to in reverse. If the Braves had scored 15 runs in the last three innings to uh, ruin our, to ruin our podcast, I would have enjoyed that. So,
2: <laughs> When we all here's hoping uh tomorrow, you and I think Eric, right? Tomorrow night's Eric's night. It he looks will, like uh... it's going to be
1: me and Eric on Thursday. Eric's got to stay up late. It's an eight Oh eight start. So it might be a midnight podcast. So uh get, get some coffee, Eric. It's time.
2: That's right. Get your coffee now. Get caffeinated. Hopefully you guys have a little more uh, fun stuff to talk I mean, hey, again, if you would have told us two weeks ago this would be the first losing reaction podcast we'd have to do, I would have laughed at you and said you're crazy. So, hey, good on uh, good on the Braves. Hopefully they're able to bounce back. It's just one game. Get it out of your system, hopefully. I mean, I know anyone who thought the Dodgers were going to go quietly into the night was, was just kind of kidding themselves. This is a really good team. This feels like a series really from the beginning, in my opinion, is one that was going to go if not the distance, close to it. Um, these are two, especially at the top of the ro- the rosters, these are two evenly matched teams. Um, we'll see. Go get him, Bryce Wilson. No pressure.
1: I will give you the last word, Scott. Well said, on all of that, please subscribe to this podcast if you haven't done it already. If you listen to this, God bless you. You are a diehard. I was joking as we started talking, uh, or yeah. even before we started talking on, the, on, the, on, t- on Twitter, uh, to just download if you didn't want to listen to the podcast tonight but if you made it this far, thank you for listening and thank you for all the support that you've given us follow Scott, follow me if you would like to follow the site especially, there's lots of written content coming and we'll be back again in this same, sp- in this same space after the game on Thursday, hopefully a better result we'll see you then